Hi. So Hi, today we're going to talk with Nicole Yarborough, owner of Pink Arrows Boutique. She is one of my greatest friends. She has this beautiful shop on First Street in Benicia. She's really inspiring. Can't wait to share. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Transactional Love. We are here today in studio for the first time. We have Nicole Yarborough, who is the owner of a boutique here in Benicia, California, selling women's clothing. And good morning. Good morning. Welcome. We're Thank so happy you. you're here with us. Our first in person. I can touch yeah. you, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I'm actually really excited to see what this dynamic is like having someone in studio with us. We've done several conversations over the phone and they have been so delightful. But having you here in the flesh is a whole new thing. And I'm so, so excited. excited. It's you. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. So a little bit of backstory about how Nicole and I met because she's one of my best friends in business and now in life. We met in our women in business group. What was that? Two, three years ago now? I think so, because it was before you had your very first store. And before COVID. So yes. it was just before yes. um, I met all these really amazing women, and Nicole was one of them. She actually had the space that my shop is in now and right. said, here's my landlord's information. I'm leaving. You should look into it. Yes. That was such a crazy time. It was like kismet that we met because I was looking to find someone for the space and the space was so magical and it needed just the right person mm-hmm. and it just all worked out for COVID exactly yeah. how before COVID right like before yeah like, I, I think moved it was 2019 November yeah. into my new space so we so, met in October right yeah. before yeah and then COVID March so six yeah. months later I signed the lease in December and we moved into our new little worlds started yeah. like bustling and then yeah <laughs> crash it hits the fan (laughs) but I actually think that has a lot to do with our friendship too we've both pivoted so many different ways so many different ways and had to pivot yeah I feel like this conversation is gonna be full of pivots I'm excited yes Yes. in retail and in life yes 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 yes. absolutely so let's start diving into and learning a little bit about you and what it is you do So if someone didn't have access to social media or your website, how would you describe what it is that you do, how you do it? Yeah. I've always loved clothes and fashion since I can remember being 12, 13. I got my first sewing machine. I eventually went to fashion school. For me, clothes are my connector. They're the way that I like you with flowers. Mm -hmm. It's the way when I first meet someone that I can connect my spirit with theirs. I always knew that I wanted to have a clothing store, but didn't know what kind. If I was to describe my store, it would be all of my favorite things in one place that hopefully become your favorites. Mm. I try to pick things that are special and unique and that in that person's closet, when they take that item out, they get confidence and they just feel beautiful, either the fabric or the fit. It's not a place where you necessarily go to get your whole wardrobe unless you're Wendy. <laughs> I know. But for right. most people, it's little trickles of things that you can mix and match with the items that you already have in your closet to really feel special and unique. Yeah, I think one of the like most recent um, social media posts and items that's in your store currently that I also just bought is this little black dress, which... Yes. 
staple. Lord yeah. knows I don't need another goddamn little black dress. I have so many, like so wedding cute. and events. I only wear black. I only wear dresses. Like I have so many black dresses. Yeah. But I saw it on your manager and I was like, oh damn. And she and I have very different body types. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I need that dress. And then you sold out of it. Yep. Had to get a restock. Yep. And I'm pretty sure you're probably sold out of it again. I did. In fact, the day it came in, I was like, put that extra small aside yeah. for Wendy. There were three people in the store that were looking at it. And I was like, no, you she's You probably have coming. a Wendy section. Like, she is, is coming I in. But I really try to pick special and unique pieces. Right. I think that's how I would describe it. Because when I'm at the shows, I'm really looking for what are those different pieces yeah. you'll really love for years go back to this little black dress. The thing about that dress is that there in the social media posts that you guys did, you have so many different women putting that dress on and lighting the F up when yeah. they put it on. Yeah. And I think that's what's special about the pieces the that you pick is that yeah. somehow you know that piece is going to light someone's soul and make yeah. them feel beautiful in it. Uh, and that's the thing. That's just what I saw. Like I just watched that happen on your social media. Yeah. And I think that's how I feel when I put on things in your store, you're yeah. looking for something that lights you up and you have a knack for finding those pieces for people. And thank you. I think that's it. That's what gift. drives me at every show. Honestly, also, I think what's different about my store specifically than other boutiques that I've been into when I travel all over, whether it's Carmel or San Diego, is that we really try to connect with the person like they're our friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no matter who's working, it's like you come in and it's like shopping with a friend. It's, oh, I love the purse that you're wearing. It would look so cute with this sweater and I can see your style and maybe you like these jeans and it's not a selling as much as it's just like the excitement that the person has that's working there to share all their favorites with someone mm -hmm. new. I think what I've loved about your store is that, so I'm wearing little black leggings mm. from, all right. from your boutique. Oh, they're so cute. And I'm like, this is my staple going back to the little black dress. Mm -hmm. I need the little black leggings. Mm. These, these are Spanx, but I would have never bought them directly from the brand or a department store. I think what I needed was this interaction and this curation and then paired with something that I couldn't find in a department store. So I was editing. You know this town really well. And I think you reflect back to us. The book club was another thing that brought me in. And that was one of the first things that your team shared with me was, are you coming to the book club this week? And I thought that was a beautiful thing to add community to not mm -hmm. just shopping yeah. and clothes. It's how do we come together? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it also helps me shop better for people when I know more about their mm -hmm. lives. So I'm always asking people in the fitting room if they wouldn't mind coming out and showing me why they don't like something mm -hmm. also, because it really helps me understand what's missing from my store in book clubs and different events, just getting to know the person like in their soul. I'm thinking about that person when I'm at a show. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would light them up? What would be the thing that would really make them feel beautiful and special and unique? And of all price points and all different bodies, I ended up on Pink Arrow's name because I felt like it was such a cool mix of the feminine and the pretty 
the name pink and the soft and just how it brings up those emotions for me of romantic with the arrow being like hard and determined and set. And I love when I'm styling people to mix and blend the two. I like something romantic with something a little rougher, something a little more like denim that's like hardworking and it's going to be like your arrow of the outfit. It's going to point you in the direction you want to go. And there's almost no going back with an arrow. It's only forward. And I love the idea that the arrow is like pushing you out of your comfort zone. It's like pushing you forward in your life to a new chapter. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. You mentioned your sewing machine. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to baby Nicole. Okay. Take us in your journey. You obviously arrived here with a lot of intention, vision, Mm -hmm. but what was your journey to get here? Was it bumpy? What were the paths you've taken? Yeah, bumpy is an (laughs) understatement of the year. I have been one of those people who always goes off path in order to get on path. So yeah, I... uh, Take me back to your sewing machine as a a little girl. I want to go way back. Yes. So my, actually my older brother, who's a year older, he got a go-kart that year and I got the sewing machine and it was like, (laughs) to be honest, who wants a sewing machine when you can have a go-kart, you could go anywhere. Like he basically had a mini car Mm -hmm. and I had the sewing machine and I was like, why did I ask for that? I should ask for a (laughs) go-kart. But uh, it did. I felt like my sewing machine connected me with my mom and my grandma who are both sewers and came from the Midwest. My mom is from Nebraska and made a lot of her own clothes growing up and my grandma really loved sewing and crocheting and so that was my way to fit in with them. I never really learned to sew that well but I always knew that my passion was more in selecting things. I would go with my mom shopping at Nordstrom that was her favorite store and I would sit in the fitting room on the floor and I would tell her what I thought about things. I remember from being a little kid I would say I like how that shirt looks on you but I think it would look better if it was like this and she would listen to me. She actually would bring me with her so I could help her find things and I knew that was where I would be most comfortable. I I think about that a lot now when I'm in the store and moms and daughters come in and they give each other advice because that was my relationship with my mom. That's always where I enjoyed being with her. So yeah, it was bumpy because I was told from a young age that I should be a lawyer. I should go to school and do this. And I rebelled. I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to be creative. And that really wasn't what my parents had intended for me growing up. And it really was hard to break away from people pleasing. But once I went to fashion school and got my design degree and got my own confidence that I was doing what I loved, even if I didn't make a ton of money doing it, that really opened me up to so many opportunities. I worked for the Gap's corporate office in design and sourcing. I worked for a company in fabric buying. I was really into touching, feeling, and finding the best fabrics. I think at the time, I didn't understand how all these different careers would connect. But now I'm in my store at this point in my late 40s. And I can see how all these different parts of my career have connected into this one mega reflection of my passions. Mm. So I did design, I did sourcing, I did quality control, I traveled to Asia, and I oversaw some factories production for a couple of years. Wow. That was my last real corporate job. And then when I got laid off, I was like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? My mom had passed away. I had a moment where I could see that life wasn't forever. She was in her 50s when she passed. And I just really 
gut checked myself, what do I want my legacy to be in this life? And it wasn't working in corporate America. It was trying to build something of my own. I started really small and then it's grown to what it is today. Did you have entrepreneurs in your family to look up to or did you? I did. My older brother owns a couple of stores in Marin. My dad was an entrepreneur, even though he's a doctor, he worked for himself. He never worked for just one hospital. Mm -hmm. He would set his own schedule. He, He was a trailblazer in his own way of being an entrepreneur. My younger brother has done his own thing, had his own business. Everyone in my family was really not afraid to risk. Yeah. And also a lot of confidence. Like you go to my family's dinners and everybody's super confident <laughs> and you're, you gotta be loud. There's a lot of loud talkers and you've gotta be aggressive to get in because everybody's telling their story. When I was growing up, I wasn't afraid to start something and fail. I just wasn't. I was fearless. I always thought even if I fail, there's a reason why I have this chapter Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on in your personal life while you're going through this growth of fashion design and taking a risk and failing? Sure. When I was in fashion school my last year, I got pregnant and the guy that I was dating for a short time wasn't ready at that time. So I decided to do it on my own and I moved home and I finished my last semester pregnant and then because I had to start from zero at that point mm-hmm. and really rebuild. At the time, it seemed so awful and overwhelming, but it really taught me that if I can break things down and just take them one step at a time, I can really achieve anything that mm-hmm. I set my mind to. Even to today and the challenges that I have, for example, building my website or sourcing new brands and you run into all these challenges of, oh, you can't have that brand. It's a small town. Okay. What do I have to do to get it? Who do I have to talk to? What form do I have to fill out? What do you need me to prove to get to that point? Because I was a single mom and because I really had nothing at that point, Mm -hmm. I am so grateful and I was humbled by that experience throughout my life I've been surrounded with so many amazing friends and family that have supported me and Mm -hmm. built my confidence Mm -hmm. not having confidence in my body at that time or my physical self has helped me to connect with other women that go through that and helping them to find their own inner confidence is what really fills my cup we really try to alter people's lives by giving them a piece of ourselves yeah, so that they don't feel alone and so that they can see a physical manifestation of if they set their goals and keep working at them, they can achieve anything. You are naturally talented at what you do. And that's another big important part of why people come back. Thank you. But that Being able to get into people's hearts because you have these experiences. It's not like you've had a charmed life where you went to fashion design school and then you got a corporate job and then you did this and then you did this and you did this. You actually had a lot going on in the background while you were doing all of that building that was really difficult and hard. So your ability to connect with the woman who walks in who's tired and running around with three kids and doesn't feel like they're themselves anymore. You have that too, right? Not only do you have all this experience for your business and running it, but you have all of this life stuff that's real. Nothing like motherhood to teach Mm -hmm. you like what you're capable of. And I think that's beautiful that 
became pregnant with this new life. And now you're, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish my path. I'm going to finish design school. Now I have this motivation. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what motherhood taught you. There's something about that teaching you what you're capable of. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think she's such a gift. My, my Madison and having her has driven me. I wanted to be a better person for her. My life was so screwed up at that time and I didn't really have good motivation for getting it back together. But once I had her, I knew I wanted to create a better life for her, which then in turn created a better life for me. So I think I started making better decisions because I wanted her to be proud of me and I wanted her to see that I was a good person and I had this good life and I wanted good people around her. I think had I not had her, I probably would have stayed on that self-destructive path and never would have gotten to where I am today. That was one of the turning points in my life. And I call it the gift in my life because Mm -hmm. it gave me purpose. I always knew that she was watching me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, God, I can't screw up. I always kid her because she's like such a fact checker. So if I'm telling a story, she's like, no, it was on Tuesday. It was on Wednesday. She just keeps me really on track in life. And she's literally my best friend. I have so many great friends, but I know no matter what, anything, any day I call her, she listens, she gives me advice. And I think I learned so much about myself through having her. And it forced me to go deep and say, what do I want out of this life so mm-hmm. that she'll be proud of me? Yeah, That's beautiful. The next question was, what was your aha moment? Mm-hmm. She is your aha yeah. moment. She's your gift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, she is my aha moment. I had a lot of aha moments. Meeting my husband was an aha moment too because before Todd, I had a string of unhealthy relationships. And when I first met Todd and we went on our first date, I remember I had this plan when I'd go on first dates where I would tell people my whole life story, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then I'd wait for them. Like, how are they going to respond? And 99% would just look at me like I was crazy and no callback, no second date. And I had just had that experience before I went on the date with Todd. And so I was just prepared for it. I was like, oh, he's going to walk away. This guy's got his shit together. He doesn't want my hot mess of a life. And I told him, All of my things went really deep on the first date. And then he said to me, is that all you got? (laughs) And then he just laughed. And then we just went on with life. Like it didn't deter him. He has helped me to build my confidence from zero to where I am today. He's constantly reinforcing. If I put my mind to it, I can do anything. He's been such a great silent partner in my business he's there like last night setting up lights Mm -hmm. like helping me do stuff like he's there when I need him but he also knows when to just lay low and allow me to figure it out I sometimes I'll ask him like when I move shops do you think this is a good idea should I move shops should I stay in my old shop should I it's risky if I get double the rent and double the space Mm -hmm. and he'll say and he has an opinion but he'll say I don't know what the right answer is for you, but I know that you'll figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. that's his response. And I'm like, God dang it. I want you to take a side because then I can blame you. (laughs) Trusting you makes you trust yourself. And then I'm like, dang, now I really got to make the right decision. Like it's, and really it is up to me because 
I know all the layers and I'm only telling him some of them. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all the same on that, right? You know what's right for your next step. Sometimes you want people to just reinforce it for you, but ultimately it's you meeting Todd and then telling him my dream of opening a business. We were at a point financially that it wasn't really great for me to do that, but it was possible. And he said, if you want to do it, do it. Had that not happened in line with my passion, Mm -hmm. having a boutique, having a store, it's really hard to have revenue that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Had he not really been supportive, I I still wouldn't be doing it today. I would be doing something else. So since we talked a little bit about revenue making and and, and what, uh, what is, what's your customer? How do you think they interact with your brand and how do they behave and act? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I've tried to cultivate with my store things for all ages. So I really do have a strong um, retired mature customer that's walking downtown that's coming in sometimes two times a week, sometimes Mm -hmm. three times a week, sometimes just to talk, but a lot of times they're buying for themselves or their kids or the grandkids. I would say my main customer is a mom, Mm -hmm. is my age, is like me, Mm -hmm. is juggling a lot of things, wants quality items, but also will pick up something a little less expensive, maybe more trendy for a certain Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So I try to mix in those less expensive trendier items with the more quality items for me as jeans usually. And then I do have a strong younger customer, uh, the girl that's just maybe high school or elementary school who's walking downtown and just wants a Pura Vita ring mm-hmm. or they want to come in the store and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So having a few pieces or a section they can go to and feel like they're welcome mm-hmm. in my store is really important. Even though revenue wise, they may not be your target. Yeah, the target, but yeah. they're the future. So them coming in and seeing people try things on and then that's their aspiration. Mm-hmm. So I would say even in my employees, I have 19, 20 year olds all the way up to retired. I had a lady come in last week that was retired and she said, I'm, I couldn't believe how many older customers you had come in while I was here. I I felt so at home. Mm. And with the other employees of all ages, she's, I just felt like this place felt so much like home. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting because I don't really think I just buy for one. When I'm at the shows, I'm thinking, is this the older customer? Is this for my age Mm -hmm. or is this for a younger customer? Mm -hmm. And then I really try to buy all three. Yeah. Yeah. What I've also experienced in your store is that I feel okay to try some of the younger things that are happening. <laughs> I don't want to be like someone trying too hard in my fat because I'm like now I'm looking at fashion. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm definitely the old person. That's just what is this okay. trend? You're, no, <laughs> but I feel you're like, not, the old, not the old person. No, but like now looking at Gen Z in high school. Mm-hmm. I went to Urban Outfitters the other day and I was just like, what is happening oh, right now? You're like, wait, the crop top and just I don't even know how to yeah. call what today's fashion is. But I feel like your store. I can try things and not feel like I'm way out of my element. Does does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what that customer was saying. I feel safe. I feel safe to try things, but then also have my 
kind of staples that I know I feel comfortable in, yeah. but or like be a pick, little edgy. Yeah, yeah, pick those pieces exactly. and then know how to style them with what you already have exactly. to make them yours. Yes. Not just trends. Yeah, when I was a kid, there was a store in San Anselmo that had in the front, they had stuff for my mom and in the back, they had stuff for younger people. And my mom and I, we used to drive over there like before back to school or if we had Christmas and we were trying to get an outfit for Christmas or something, we'd go over there and we would both shop in the same store. And I Mm. thought it was so cool that like I was buying stuff in the same store that my mom was. And so when I built my boutique, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like an older mom coming with their younger daughter and them both finding something. I love that. And I definitely think you've nailed that. Because I I do see that mix. It's multi-generational experience that anyone can go in and feel very safe and fun. And it just feels like a happy place. (laughs) Having people return, even people that like live in Southern California or another state and they come back and they say, oh, I was here last year and I found my favorite sweater, my Mm -hmm. favorite pair of jeans, or I thought about your store and we don't have anything like this in Arizona or LA. And I think, God, there's so many stores in LA. How can you not have something like like this? this? nothing and they're like no nothing like this every time I come to the Bay Area I drive here to see your Mm -hmm. store and it literally makes me so happy because I think it's more than the clothes it's the confidence it's Mm -hmm. helping people find pieces that highlight what they like about their body right I, I look at your store and you're so thoughtful in terms of conversation your window displays how you literally speak to your customer through the space itself tell us a little bit about like the magic of pink arrows and what makes it so personal and why I do you feel like I'm walking into my friend's house how do you do that if I could break it down to the basics I would say I put all of myself into that store every time I'm there yeah like I don't hold anything back and when I'm doing a store reset which I do probably every week and a half where I move every piece in the store I'm literally there not eating not drinking for hours until (laughs) it's done I pour my entire existence into that store and I think that I ask the same of the people who work with me that when they're there they're fully present and their intentions are to help people over time it's just grown and grown to now I feel like the other people that work with me also put their full self when they're working mm-hmm. into the store. And so the experience that you get when you come in is someone's full self. When I'm doing the windows, like last night with my husband, I brought down the lights for the window and they were wound up in a ball of craziness, like so, so bad. And I told my husband, I said, we're going to stay here until these are unwound until the window looks magical. And he looked at me like he wanted to kill me, (laughs) but he held that strand up and I undid every single little crazy thing that was happening. Cause I was like, I have to give my full self to this window. And I think that's how I approach the entire store, whether it's the floors, the people I attract to help me. Like when Wendy did the floral display around our mirror in the fitting room area, I was challenging her to give her full self to that. And Mm -hmm. it looks magical. It does. And I think every part of the store is that reflection. So when people come in, 
they feel a sense of wanting to be there because there's just so many corners and magical experiences. And it's more about exploring and discovering. Like you go to Nordstrom, it's just selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There right. is just a one way conversation. Mm-hmm. They're just there to ring you up at the register. Yeah. I always tell people in the interview, this isn't like working at the mall. Mm-hmm. You're not there to ring people up. Don't be behind the register unless you're ringing someone up. Be out, be doing something. Movement has a lot to do with it. Moving things around constantly so people can find things they never found before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Especially when we want to go back every week or whenever that is. You do feel like you're discovering. Yeah, it's the truth about the... Uh, retail shopper is that they actually follow the same track. There's been studies about how people enter and exit a space and you can watch in your own store, even if you put up different obstacles or different little features throughout your store, how the traffic will change, but then it actually does go back to the same flow. And so physically moving the items around your shop you aren't getting anything new in, but you're making it fresh. I have my shop candle that's been with me forever. And I have people who regularly come into my store, my regulars just discover it for the first time. And I'm like, that's my signature scent I've had for three years. Why are you just seeing this now? How did I fail you, first of all? But it's like that where you have to keep things fresh, not only for yourself, because moving things around helps you remember what inventory you have. Absolutely. It re-engages in your head, but then also the experience for your shopper becomes fresh again too. And I think that's a really key and easy thing for a lot of retailers to remember to do because it's easy to get lost in the inventory. The only thing I'll say about that is once I start a move... I know. Oh, trust me. (laughs) Literally, once you move one thing, then you got to move another thing. Mm -hmm. It's all domino. So I would say that is the most exhausting part of my week when I do a shop move. But it's also the most rewarding when someone comes in. Or I see on our orders that someone bought something that was hidden. Right. right. And I'm like, oh, they found that item. It's easy for the key items to get sold that come in and Mm -hmm. go out, come in and go out. But sometimes there's something super cool and it's just hidden in the store. Mm -hmm. And then you bring it out and somebody buys it. It's, oh, that found a home. I'm (laughs) so happy for that. Mm -hmm. So... I think we can mm-hmm. agree when you walk in, if you're not in the store, we get the same amazing experience than if you are. Yeah. That goes to your strength in team building and your team always feels happy, excited, like they want to help, like they want to be there. So what are some of your strategies around yeah. that? And I will say, because I know a lot of the backstory around that, that it's not always like that. I was just going to say behind that. the scenes. <laughs> yeah. And that you're right on the floor when people engage, they all have that same passion and light and energy. And I think that the behind the scenes part is the thing that I want you to tell us about because mm. because having that beautiful team that presents yeah. for you really has to do with the curation of people and yeah. knowing when they're not meeting your standards. Yeah, it hasn't always been this way. I've had my share of challenges in hiring and training. I'll say that the magic of it is that I'm I know I can train someone to do all the tasks. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for someone who knows my register. I can train you. That's not a problem. What I'm looking for in a person is their energy. Mm -hmm. And what is their spirit? Are they a kind person? Are they a generous person? Are they a hardworking person? Do they like meeting people? Mm -hmm. I try to ask those questions in my interviews and understand 
if it's going to be a good fit for them mm-hmm. and also for me. In the beginning, I was looking, do they have retail experience? Have they worked in a store before? But that actually really doesn't matter so much. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear because I, I think it's something you forget about. You look at a resume on paper and mm-hmm. you're like, check, check, but it could be a total misalignment. And then the opposite, the resume might not look good in paper at all, but they have these measurable things, right, that are the magic, right? The spirit, yeah. the heart, wanting to be around people. And Wait. also what I want to be around that person. Yeah. That's a critical part for me is if I would be friends with that person or if I feel like they would fit in with the people that come in our store, mm-hmm. then I want to set them up to be successful. Right. I want them to actually want to be there and want to be on the team. Over time, it's gotten easier because I have really good people and those people attract other good people and they help train those mm-hmm. people. So now I have a whole force of people. I just had a situation last week where somebody's kid got sick and she couldn't come in and she was texting me the night before. And on a group text, I sent out a message to the team and literally within 10 minutes, the shift was filled and people were like, I want to work. I'll I'll do it. That sense of teamwork Mm -hmm. and wanting to help that other person and knowing that could be you down the road and you'd want someone to help you and genuinely caring about all these people, someone on our team, their son got injured in a football game a couple weeks ago and we were all texting her just because we care. It wasn't even about the shift getting covered. The shift got covered, but it was like, how's he doing? What's going on? And getting updates and what can we do to help? We're all genuinely friends with each other and wanting to help each other. I think the struggle for me is not just being friendly, but being a boss and also being able to lead Mm -hmm. and say when there's a problem, hey, look, this needs to get addressed. This is where I think the problem's coming from. This is what I think you need to do to resolve it. And giving people an opportunity to resolve it, but also having consequences if they can't. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part is those decisions. And if somebody's not working out, how do you resolve that? And if the schedule is open, how do you not get desperate to hire someone? How do you wait for the right person? Mm -hmm. I think those have been some of my personal challenges along the way, but now I am grateful. I do have a lot of really amazing people of all ages and all different body types. Mm -hmm. And that can show their own growth and confidence to other women and I hear all the time like, oh, I watch Becca because she has the same body type as me. And if Mm -hmm. she can wear it, then I know. And she's so confident. I'm going to come try it. Mm -hmm. And having stepped back from the Instagram myself over the last couple months and allowed Mm -hmm. all of these amazing women to shine has been so rewarding in so many ways. And it's allowed me to start to build other parts of my business. So what has been your favorite project in this whole journey? And actually where you're headed, because it sounds like you're working on other things behind the scenes. I would say my favorite project just in general are shop moves. Mm-hmm. I love to create a new space and I almost feel like I could move shops every two years just to have that experience with people, but it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, I have the same affliction and I joked with my insurance agent. I was like, it's August. <laughs> I'm going to change. <laughs> I am the same way. And I would say of all the shop moves I've ever done, this last one was the most challenging in so many ways, but the most rewarding mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I had curated such an all-star team of people in relationships where I really knew them and they really knew me. And it was, it was almost seamless in parts of it, but Mm -hmm. it also was like to the core, it challenged my existence and rocked me really deeply. 
Yeah, I can vouch for the outside view of that because your whole support world, we were all just like watching her and bringing coffee and treats. And hey, Nicole, did you eat today? And she's like, yeah. And from the community side, everybody was very excited yeah. because everybody loves your store. It's, oh my gosh, it's happening. Hammers are going. Mm-hmm. Good stuff is, there's dust. Yeah. It's happening. And there's updates with my, mm-hmm. my friends on the text strings like, mm-hmm. they're going to open. It's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. And I think to your point is that you have a designer who you work with, who mm-hmm. you've worked with three times now. Four actually, because she did my office upstairs. Oh, nice. So you've got her on lock and you're like carpenter, do it, do everything guys. And that team, I And my husband. And your husband, Todd, he was was there. there. Oh my God. A lot. (laughs) He was there all the time. I remember going in and looking at Todd and I'm like, so when did you guys leave last night? What time did we leave? (laughs) I don't know. And coming from working at a refinery for- 14 hours yeah. down there yeah. and, and not, still positive. Yeah. Not and being and upset. Like ready yeah. To like really yeah. give. It was so, so crazy. many moving parts. There was so but, many moving parts that you had a really great supportive group that I felt like you were able to relinquish control and actually delegate, which I think a lot of founder owner people have a hard time actually delegating and letting it go. Yes. Yeah. And I think because you have this experience of doing it over and over again, the time frame was really tight. Yeah, we all like worked really hard together, but yeah. you also did a really great job managing this extra team that you assembled by allowing all of them to do their thing. What I've learned over the years is you pick good people and you allow them to do their magic. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times, if someone had an idea, I was like, go. I picked you because I know that you're amazing mm-hmm. and awesome and you're going to do more if I don't manage it mm-hmm. than if I put a boundary on it. And pivoting and constantly running into challenges that are opportunities instead of looking at it like oh shoot we can't do that it's what else can we do in that space yeah like polishing the concrete and filling the cracks with gold like brilliant like just brilliant there's these little moments that and actually so funny about that is Jocelyn and I had wanted to do that in your shop back in the day we had a Pinterest board when I was opening that space in the courtyard originally and the very first pin that we both pinned was gold in the concrete. There's wow. no, there's not really any cracks in that concrete floor. Oh, I was going to make some. <laughs> I know. So I excited know. about that. Yeah. You're going to ruin this foundation here. Okay, I great. That. But that's what's cool about your current space is that you were able to unearth some things that you always felt really tied to, but then also continue the story of your shop because there's this quote about how the cracks in, in us, like the trials and tribulations that we go through. I don't know what the quote is. You must know it, but it's a Japanese art practice. Yes, it is. Exactly. That's what makes us beautiful and filling those cracks with the gold. Love that. Yeah. It makes you stronger. Yeah. And stronger and more beautiful are physically walking through a representation of that when you go through your store and continues the story of you are beautiful just the way you are flawed and full. Yeah. The floors are not perfect and that's what makes them unique. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to what drives you, making women feel confident in their own skin, whatever journey they are. And so I love that we're talking about brick and mortar. What lessons have you learned? Because you've moved three times in our town and you've obviously grown and you've been on the corporate side as well. Mm -hmm. What lessons learned would you give baby Nicole before you were to open up that first store? So you get your keys, three things that you would say, keep this in mind. Yeah, three things I would tell myself back in the day. Don't be afraid to risk. Don't 
think that you have to be the same as everyone else. What is unique and different about you is actually what's special and cool. So in the beginning, I focused a lot on other people's businesses around, other people online, not copying, but getting inspired by other boutiques. And Mm -hmm. then one of the unlocks was when I really started to say, what is my style? What do I like to wear? Who am I as a person? And then just building it around that. So your uniqueness is what makes you, you. So if I could tell myself that I would have skipped a big jump there. Mm -hmm. Also, I would say that find the joy in your day. I really try now to focus on the moments that are fun for me, that bring me joy, the people that I like to be around, the clothes that I like to touch or experiences that bring me joy, like doing this today is just so fun and unique in Mm -hmm. my life. Going on trips, one thing I'm looking forward to on the schedule, something that's different or fun or some brand I'm trying to get. In the beginning, I was really focused on the financial piece and just building. And I wasn't thinking so much about finding joy in my day. And then knowing that it'll never be balanced. It never will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one ever is. I think if I had really gone into it with that mindset of not trying to be balanced, but just enjoying the struggle, I think I would have been more prepared for a lot of the ups and downs. I was always thinking everyone else, their lives were more balanced. So mm-hmm. that was my goal. And now I don't try to be balanced. When I'm there, I try to be 100%. And when I'm not there, I try to be 0%. percent hmm like I don't try to be 50-50 yeah. at all. Yeah, balance. that's a common like goal for people is to find this balance, this archetype of what life is supposed to look like. And I think when you give yourself permission to be true, right? Experience the ebb and the flow or experience the 100% and the like 0%. That is a way for you to disconnect from a story that isn't serving you, right? Because there's a lot of like pressure to maintain a balance. Surrendering. Yes. When I'm in it, I'm in it. Yeah. And I just surrender to it. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm giving 100%. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm on vacation, I try to just surrender to that. I am just trying to check out and not be trying to micromanage what's going on. And then in the in-between, there's like these ebbs and flows of moments of turning off and moments of being stressed and then just allowing that to happen and not trying to control the outcome. Right. Or judge it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice permission to give yourself to be stressed because I think a, a lot of times we give pressure to ourselves of, oh, I don't, I shouldn't feel anxiety or I shouldn't feel stressed. Right. But actually it's nice to say, I'm feeling this. I need to feel this to get through it. Right. And here's the permission to be able to do that. Yeah. So I love that thought. Thinking about going back to this, I I love the advice you would give yourself. As you're in this brick and mortar space, you're also very much in the digital space. Mm -hmm. As you are having conversations online through social media, what are your thoughts on emerging trends around the blending of the online offline and how important is your brick and mortar store to support the digital and vice versa? Yeah, for me, my success has been because the social media is genuine and true and real people that are really trying on these items and connecting with people and not trying to be a Nordstrom or an anthropology or anything other than who we really are, which are 
real people yeah. and not trying to connect with a million people, but trying to connect with the people who we're supposed to connect with, just our people. Mm. I don't have a lofty goal of followers. It doesn't matter how many followers it doesn't translate to revenue. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. You could have a hundred core followers that are shopping all the time mm-hmm. and have more revenue than a hundred thousand that are not ever shopping your store. Mm-hmm. Also allowing the employees that work there to really feel free to do whatever they feel called to do and their try on and not trying to micromanage it has allowed for some genuine like they're really just shopping and they're yeah. really just telling you what they would wear in the store right now. And they're a lot of times buying those items mm-hmm. and wearing them mm-hmm. themselves. They're excited about them. So if you're having a genuine experience being in Benicia in a small town and trying to bring these more well-known brands here. Some of them are of a higher price point. One of the biggest challenges to me is that there aren't a lot of people walking downtown that are necessarily wanting to spend that amount of money that day. So I always think it is our job through social media to connect with that person and to get them off their couch to come down to the store and shop. And Mm -hmm. if what we're trying on or our energy in the story isn't real and true, that person's going to see right through it and they're not getting up and they're like, I have other things to do. I have a swim meet. I have this, I have that. So I really think social media is the key because a lot of times people will see a story and they'll think I'm going to come down and see if there's something for me in that store. And then it complements with having the assortment and the sizes and the brands and the inventory Mm -hmm. and the merchandising and the website and all the back stuff that is the roots of the store, Mm -hmm. right? If you didn't have all that stuff and somebody came down and now you only have a size large and they want an extra small, then getting them down to the store doesn't make sense. Yeah. So you have to have the right size, the right inventory and enough of it where multiple people can come down. So it complements each other. Without the Instagram and the social media, people from other cities wouldn't be coming to Mm -hmm. my store Mm -hmm. for sure. They wouldn't even know we existed or planning trips to come to Benicia Mm -hmm. to come to the store, which we hear a lot. But it's really about the store experience. When people come in, it's who cares? Like, I'm here just to serve you. I'm here because you're here. Whether you walked in or drove here or came from somewhere else, I'm here 100% just to help you find whatever it is you need. And so the two, they go hand in hand. I think one without the other wouldn't make sense. Our revenue, most of it comes from the store. Very little comes from online. Most of the time when people shop on our online store, they'll buy one item, Mm -hmm. maybe two items. But when people come in, they'll buy four or five items. They'll buy a pair of shoes and some jeans and a tank top and a pair of earrings and a card for a friend. Mm -hmm. So when they come in is really where the real revenue happens but without the online where people could see what we have and the sizes be reminded right that you exist yeah 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 I think I'm a professional shopper of your store and what (laughs) I do how I interact with it is that I'll see something on social media like the black dress that Becca had on and I will be like I need that dress and then I'll hop online and I'll see if it's available in my size because you're amazing at keeping everything up to date I check her inventory on her website. So I won't go to the store if it's not there. Waiting I'll be for like, you. Yeah. yeah. I'll be like, hey, are you getting another restock of that dress in? <laughs> That's my question. And then I'll go in when it's available, try it on, buy it, 
and then walk away. So that's the nice part about having the online shop, yeah. at least in my opinion, is that I can pre-shop, have Absolutely. a game plan, get into the store, be like, these are the things I'm looking to try on, and then get distracted by six other things, and then walk out. So I don't like shopping online because right. I need to try it on. Yes, especially for fashion. I but agree. pre-shopping online is brilliant. And I think yeah. knowing that you guys work really hard to keep it all updated and fresh and the content really happening there makes it easy for me to be like, I wonder what's going on at Pink Arrows, even if I'm in bed at 10 o'clock. Like, what's new at the shop? I haven't yeah. been in in a week, so... Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's how I use I it. I also think that we use the website a lot for restocks. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in and we don't have their size and they say, oh, I really want that dress in an extra small, we will do a thing where we put you on the restock list yeah. with your email and it sends me an email and it really helps me target where I need to be. And yeah. So every week on Mondays, I'll pull a restock report of what people have wanted that we don't have in the store and then I'll order those items Yeah. or items similar. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about that customer and maybe we don't have free people doesn't have that dress, but they have another dress. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, now we can bring in a new dress. I think what's really hard for a lot of boutiques specifically that are small is if you didn't start out that way and you built your boutique and then you try to build a website, it's almost impossible because you really have to shut down your store, count everything, put it together. But because I started online and that was the basis and I built it first, then when I had the store it's just been an evolution of that process yeah it connects people who come in our store in Benicia and might live somewhere else yeah totally let's say they came in and they found a brand in our store they had never seen before and then they want another item from them Mm. um being able to go online and purchase and live in Texas or Mm -hmm. LA and we ship all the time so Mm -hmm. it really has evolved to be a really useful part of our business yeah What's your next big goal? What are you looking ahead to? If you can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm an open book. But. Yeah. And we've got a ton of listeners. Let me tell you. <laughs> you guys are going to have a ton of listeners. We will. I feel like you ask a lot of really good questions. By the time we have a ton of listeners, you've launched this new thing, whatever it is. <laughs> yes. I've been in the process of launching it for a long time and like, really trying mm. to pivot. And it's our style box. Yeah. And recently, and recently meaning yesterday when I was walking my dog I came up with this new idea and so last night I was working on it till 12 30 this is how I go in mm-hmm. on projects mm-hmm. when I go in and I get excited it's a hundred it's a hundred <laughs> and then this morning I was working on it before I came here and I'm just like oh I can't She's get enough 24 time. hours in guys. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. get enough time I really can't and it's I ran into a lot of problems with the style box in that the financial piece of having to pay up front. Yeah. So if you look at business models like Stitch Fix or Everive's Stylebox, a lot of them, they are separate entities of a main entity where they are just doing boxes. Mm-hmm. It's a different division of the company that just focuses on that. And I tried to do both and have it be a part of the store and it really wasn't working the way that the Shopify is set up was very limiting in the way I process payments. I had to choose one or the other. Either you take payment right away, which is what I do in the store, Mm -hmm. just at the moment someone purchases or you can delay payment. Mm -hmm. You can't do both in the same sort of payment area. 
So just yesterday I was like, I'm just going to build another website and connect it. And that mm-hmm. other website's going to be able to delay payment. So that's mm-hmm. what I've 24 seven been working on is this new idea of a different way to look at the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I genuinely feel like the people that work at my store are the best stylists and they're so all in when they're there. Yeah. And if there's not a customer in the store that they can be styling someone in Texas, New York, yes. or somebody sitting at home that mm-hmm. is is working and can't get to the store. Yeah. And if we were able to send out these style boxes regularly to people that when they got the box and tried stuff on, that there would be pieces in there that they'd really love. When you're shopping online, you're missing things. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you're missing the experience. I just had a lady come in yesterday that wanted a dress that was happened to be in our warehouse, an old free people black dress. And I was like, what about this bow dress? Yeah. One that just came in. A bow dress. And she ended up getting both. She got the one in the warehouse and the bow dress. Mm -hmm. And she said, I wouldn't have tried that on. Yeah. You talked about fabrics and being able to touch them. I think that's everything with fashion. Online, coming offline, being in person, that's what creates the love, right? It pulls at your heartstrings. So I think... You're on to something. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. So I am like tingling about this unlock that I've unlocked in myself and now just pushing the business in that direction of being able to really style people more at home. And I yes. think that's something that I've really been like for a year, I've been trying to figure out different ways. And now I have the team, right? I have Becca. She's amazing at connecting with people. I have Michelle who's awesome at taking photos of things and Mm -hmm. showing people online how things are in real life. And then I have Leslie is great at inventory and building inventory. Mm -hmm. All three of those are my managers. Mm -hmm. So that allows me to step away from that part and focus on this new exciting opportunity. Yeah. I'm curious about why I know we're, we're starting to go long in this one, so I want to be thoughtful about that, but this conversation has been juicy. That's all I can say. I feel like I've not looked at the questions. Norma's like running the train on this, and I'm like, that's totally fine. I totally like, went off script. And, which is good, because <laughs> the conversation has moved yes. in a really beautiful way, so I yeah. just want to acknowledge. And then two, ask, like, why do you think that pivot in particular is important in your business right now? Why you're reacting in this way, what you're seeing and why this feels like the right direction of your business? Great question. Yeah. 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 It started a year ago when we were trying to launch the style box to start with. And it was so helpful for my employees to try to style an imaginary person and to get into that mindset of someone going on vacation, somebody going to a bridal shower, somebody going to work for the first time. And then it's amazing because then those people would come in. Mm. It's like you're manifesting. Mm -hmm. And when they came in, whoever was working was like, oh my God, I know just what to show you. Mm -hmm. I was just pulling this box for this person person and it made me think or somebody who's pregnant right just talked about that Michelle and I this morning I think the style box process is so fascinating and that it helps in so many different aspects of my business from buying right and having more variety of price points or items to 
merchandising the store differently because right. you're kind of thinking about these boxes as being racks, right? right? Like this is a rack for someone who's pregnant maybe and wants looser I fitting things. Mm-hmm. And then it also translates into training people because right. you're like, hey, pull a box for this kind of person. And then it really at the heart of it connects you with a person. So it's really personal. It's not a computer doing an algorithm yes. and saying papa and spitting out clothes. It's Becca and she's yeah. looking through the store for someone who lives in North Carolina who came in and bought Citizens Jeans and a Faraday top a year ago mm-hmm. and now wants a box because they're just got a new job and they want to get some pieces to wear to this job and what would they buy in the store? Mm-hmm. And then it's allowing her to have that moment with someone virtually through FaceTime and showing them. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's such a cool extension of the business that being in a small town where the traffic ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. So there's days where we have a lot of people come in Mm -hmm. and there's days where we have not a lot of people come in. Mm -hmm. That's the truth of Mm -hmm. being in a small town. Mm -hmm. So on those days where we don't have a lot of people come in, you flip the switch to go to this other part of the business, this other part of your brain, this other sort of creative outlet. Yeah. It's actually like a massage for the shop. It like loosens up and limbers all the parts and aspects of the business, the framework that is your business, right? It like lets you get a little deeper in all of these ways that your employees get something out of it, just that exercise. Your client in North Carolina gets something out of it. Yeah. When we share that box, no matter who that person is and what their lifestyle is or their budget or whatever we're pulling from, there's always someone watching that's also that person. Yeah. That's, oh, I see how they mix that Nashville t-shirt with that thread supply flannel with that free people jacket and those cute jeans and they went high low all the way through the outfit Mm -hmm. and maybe they don't buy the whole outfit but maybe then they're looking in their closet and they're like oh I have a shirt just like that if I get the graphic tee and the jeans then I'll have the whole look Mm -hmm. because this isn't about every time you come in you have to build an entire new wardrobe Building a capsule wardrobe is finding these key pieces Mm -hmm. you put in and then you just sprinkle in newness every season. You don't have to recreate getting a good pair of straight leg jeans, right? You get them once and then cost per wear over years, they pay off themselves. And then every season you can dress up or dress down those straight leg jeans to make hundreds of outfits. Mm -hmm. So getting a great black dress you have it for the holidays. You oh, have yeah. it for Valentine's Day. You have it for anniversaries and trips and other things coming up. Like you don't have to buy it. And date night redos. Date night redos. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. Whole nother transactional yeah. love. Send me the link when you do that yeah. podcast. I definitely want to listen. I want to hear Norma's take oh on God. all of that. Oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Now understanding this deepness and like or depth deepness is not a word I think I've said that twice on this podcast (laughs) but depth of your story I have this whole new appreciation for you and what you're doing through your business for your team for our town it's just inspiring so thank you I really am so excited about the style box curate your closet and it's the curated closet style box it's a separate division but with pink arrows closing in yeah it's really going to be something that people enjoy getting in the mail the new websites in development I'm hoping to get 
10 people who want to test it out to fill out the style quiz and select a box and go through the whole process so I can edit where things need a little tweak yeah. before I really launch on this new website. So I'm looking for volunteers that would okay. be open to going through the process and getting a little gift just for trying and just telling me their feedback yeah. so that I can make sure that the process is really seamless and fun for people. And then I'm hoping to get this really up and running by the beginning of November for the holiday Perfect. season. Yeah. Then cool. if you've tried the style box, a discount for the next box. Sure. to try to keep people excited to try more things if something didn't work would you like to try another and tweaking it yeah that's something that in my store I really work on is interacting with people we have the mirror outside the fitting room for a reason right. so people have to come out and look at themselves I love and, that I love that little notion <laughs> yeah so. and give feedback if you didn't like those jeans why don't you like them because then that helps us go around the store and find something that be a better fit for you. What's also amazing about that is that we tell ourselves stories about what we see in the mirror and putting it out in the store allows other people to comment on what they see in the mirror. Yeah. Because so often we tell ourselves a story about we can't wear a thing or it doesn't look good on me. Yeah. And you guys have the opportunity to insert a challenge to these stories, these continued problematic thought processes we have about our bodies yeah and I think that's really beautiful like and other women like other yes. customers a lot of times people be in the fitting room and it's they're telling the other person that looks so good on you and the person's I don't know yeah. I think my legs I think my arms and they're like no that looks great like it's not just me saying it or right. Becca saying it or someone who's working there right. it's like literally other people are giving you positive vibes yep. and it just feels so good when I'm walking by the fitting room and I hear people commenting on each other and building each other up it just like, literally fills my cup I know mm -hmm. I've said that three times but <laughs> makes me feel like mm -hmm. what I am doing matters to someone yeah and yep. that is ultimately why we're all here yep right why we do what we do is you want to feel validated it's not about the money it's not about the success or the ego or somebody leading with oh I have a store on first I never lead with that I've signed up for Stitch Fix and quit. And it didn't work for me because of what you said of the lack of human touch and yeah. this intimacy that I think you're talking about. In general, I think that's what you're selling is this intimacy for us to feel better about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Then realize, oh my gosh, I'm actually more beautiful than I think I am. I don't think we see ourselves in that way, right? right. Like, I think it's what's so fascinating, watching people create a new story. Actually, I am good enough for this. I yeah. am. I do look good in these jeans. I could go get whatever job I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. I could open a flower store or have a family, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like You actually could do anything you put your mind to. Yeah. yeah. And that you really work hard at. We've been thinking about what is responsible consumerism. And yeah. when you hear stories like yours, my mind will be thoughtful about saying, okay, I need something. Can I take that extra step to support a business that I'm really excited about and I'm really proud to mm -hmm. have in my community and yeah. I want to support to keep it in my community. Mm -hmm. So and I also think it's also unfailing. inside the store. Exactly. Like what are you supporting in those brands? Exactly. And a lot of times we'll say this brand is ethically produced mm -hmm. or exactly. uses sustainable materials. And for certain people, it really matters. Yeah, that's and they put their, their money 
there. Mm-hmm. And then other people, and sometimes the same person just a different day or they're looking for something different. Maybe it doesn't matter as much, but yeah. does that matter to you? Mm-hmm. And if it does matter to you, then you have to support it with the money in your wallet. You have to yeah. vote with your dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You create the world with every purchase that you make. Okay. What kind of world are you trying to create? And I think it's that mindset of saying right. less is more, yeah. but my yeah. less is going to support people that have these incredible stories and passions. And you're yeah. getting a better product. Yeah. And it's yeah. this intentional buying that really does allow you to live a life that is so much more full, fuller than the items in your closet. Thank you for being with Thank us. Thank you so much, I feel like for yeah. inviting me. I feel like this needs a part two. Yeah. Um, I'm an interviewer next. Yes. <laughs> I come up with my own. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. This is Wendy and Norma inviting you to transact with love.